Everything in the whole world is stupid and different. Oh, that's it. Okay, I'm Pop, her dad. She's Jay. I'm a Pop. She's a teacher. She's a parent. I'm a parent. I'm a grandparent. But most of all, I'm an American who has a few things to say about what's going on right now. Yeah, you don't even need to be an American because they're protesting our brutality across the whole wide world. You say you have a problem with what the uh, communist regime of China is doing to the poor people of Hong Kong. I say I can't breathe or Black Lives Matter or something else related to America because America, bad. Orange man, bad. Very, very bad. Which is funny, you you jumped right to the plot spoiler of what this is all really about but anyway um all right so we're talking about the current state of social unrest i guess uh, yeah, we went from a pandemic to a scamdemic or whatever this is right now pandemic to a, a state of upheaval scam- i don't know scamdemic is is pretty Appropriate, I do. I do think. Okay, so what's happening right now is a man was murdered by someone wearing a police uniform who's no longer a police officer. Uh, He should not have been treated that way. One hundred percent unjustified. One hundred percent evil and wrong. What happened to George Floyd? Period. Okay. There's Agreed. there's no there's no ameliorating that there's no there's no coloring that any way except what it is. It was an absolute did not should not have happened should not have happened. I don't so know if, there, if there's anyone who uh, disagrees with that. Just as an aside. So and that's I guess the point I want to start with is I don't I know lots of cops. Um, I see them every day. I don't know a single person on any side of the political spectrum that defended that or said that was justified or anything. So for once in this modern crazy world, everybody agreed. There was no argument about it, about how awful it was, how wrong it was. Um, That should have been a moment in time 
where we all could have said, wow, look, we can get together and agree on something. Objectively wrong was objectively wrong. Even the, the moral relativist, uh, everybody knew that it was wrong. But instead of us drawing together, we immediately went into our tribes, our tribal modes, and the media went into what you just said, the, oh, God, it's another chance to get Trump and to get the, our political enemies. And look what they've done to us. Look, look what the last two weeks has done to this country. It, it, it's absolutely insane. Yeah, like really, really, really fast. We went from, I mean, there's so many things that changed so fast, but, you know, we went from being completely locked down uh, because of coronavirus to um, some people were trying to protest and say, okay, it's time to end the lockdowns. And you had nonstop coverage of how evil these people were. They were trying to literally kill grandparents and that they care more about money than anything. And then uh, very like, weeks later, uh, you do have the, the incident with George Floyd. Um, there was another one, too. The Ahmed Arbery case started to get things heating up a little bit. Then Breonna Taylor was – these instances, while seeming like now, like they're all piled together, they have very little to nothing at all in common with each other. And that includes – yeah, and that includes lots of cases that are now trying to be lumped together as though there's some kind of a rampant murder of people of color going on, which each of these cases is super unique. Um, so anyway, so um, shortly after the George Floyd case, because there was, I guess, so much video footage, and it was so graphic, and it was, like, so bad – that that just made for a really good reason for people to get out and um, protest. So originally it was going to be like these like peace protests against police brutality again. Um, and there's there's no one who's for police brutality. It's it's not proven. You know you've had Heather McDonald on wall-to-wall coverage of any conservative shows who will have her or anybody who will listen. She's the author of The War on Cops, trying to tell people the truth, which is, listen, this is not actually an epidemic. This is a bad video of a bad instance of some human being doing something bad. But police are way more likely uh, to die at the hands of, you know, anyways. So facts... are not being taken into consideration. So people are out there protesting. Honestly, a straw man that is like the the craziest, biggest straw man. And um, it's like a straw man the size of the Trojan horse in ancient Greece. Yeah, and then and you've probably got an that, appropriate analogy. Yeah, it really is because it is about taking down a, a society, and you have that like like, I guess, righteous anger or whatever, kind of at the George. So it's like, I guess if you were in Minneapolis and maybe you were, like, really mad there where it happened and, like, they burned down their police station, which in and of itself I think is crazy. Like, not all those guys did it, you know, but, okay, at least it makes a little bit more sense. But literally, like, you're a police officer across the country in Nevada and they're, they're, 
people completely destroyed your or like vandalized the outside of the police station. They were throwing things at you guys. They burned the Capitol building. Like, what in the actual heck are you? What is? What did Reno do? Like, so and then so we've got all that, but then that's coupled with this other thing that's driving me completely insane, which is. I guess because I'm on social media more now than, you know, back in the last riot times, even of 2014, you have so much wokeness online and so much, like, bullying people to get on board with this quote-unquote movement uh, that it's exhausting. And it's 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 scary because it's just like, well, I don't know. So that's that's my kind of, like, rant on it right now. Well, we could rant all day, couldn't we? Um, yes. The famous saying, never let a crisis go to waste. Uh, they've been using it with the COVID thing, for sure. Um, very clearly, they even, they even admitted that. And, and it's very clearly being used here. The way the media treats this versus anything else is ridiculous. But we went from a protest, which I'm all for, uh, First Amendment, of the Constitution says that the people, we the people, have the right to peaceably assemble to uh, petition our government for the redress of grievances, right? That's in there. It's enshrined. The word peaceably is in the Constitution. So this went from a protest to many riots to what is now can only be accurately called an insurrection. Um, just this thing in Seattle that you and I were talking about earlier, the, the, uh, yeah, it's funny, but it's also tragic because the governor of that state and the mayor are letting this happen. It's armed thugs have taken control of six blocks of Seattle city property. And in that six blocks, there's 400 residences, by the way, um, and a, and a police station. Um, and they're doing that's, that's they're what doing you're nothing. gonna get for living in Seattle. Just saying. Agreed. Um, they're doing nothing for it. This is literally the definition of an insurrection. They're calling. There's a sign going into their little area that says "Now leaving the United States." So the yes. last time that happened. Uh, there was a little skirmish that cost the lives of 600,000 Americans. Uh, so that's no small thing when, that? when this is happening. Uh, well, we call it the Civil War, but I don't know oh. why we call it civil, because it really wasn't very civil. Um, oh, that's the last time we had anybody try to say that this is... Really? Wow. I oh, thought there no, there's, been... no, there's been little... Uh, uprisings of people here and there, but I'm saying for someone to carve out some real estate within the United States, put up barricades, put up, it's so funny because the first thing they did when they formed their new country was put up border walls and form a police force. The two things there. uh, And they're also frisking people as they come into the zone. They're stopping them. Yes. yes. Well, they're also robbing. They're yeah, they're robbing people and they're demanding money from the businesses in there. So go well, that's it. always been okay for the for those for lots of those types. But the stop and frisk, I heard that was wrong somewhere. 
Yeah. Uh, one, one overriding point, I know we have a few like statistics to talk about, but the thing that impresses me the most, like the most glaring thing here, that old saying, um, the, the exception that proves the rule, uh, this thing, uh, this, this murder of George Floyd, uh, literally is the exception that proves the rule. And I can prove that because if it were the rule, we are the most filmed people in the world. I'm like a YouTube star at work. Uh, people are always filming cops. If this thing, this murder that happened to George Floyd was the rule and happened all the time, we would be seeing that sort of thing every day. Uh, but we don't because it is, it is statistically extremely rare. And I, the last one that I could think of was the cop in South Carolina who shot that guy in the back that was running and then planted a gun on him. And that former cop is now in prison where he should be. Um, this well, is not something yeah. that happens all the time. It's very, very rare and very wrong. And every, like we just said, everybody knows it's wrong. And here's the, here's the thing. So why it's so, okay. Because uh, why it's so rare and why I'm so like not on board with just agreeing to the premise that America is just inherently racist and we have so so much amends to make and we are so far away from equality blah, 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 blah. because these are the things that people are saying police brutality has to stop okay so give me basically if there's policies in place that are unjust or racist then let's address those there there aren't there aren't any racist laws or policies anywhere anymore so what you have is individual accounts of humans sinning, and then the what we, what we need to do is make like for example in the Ahmar Ahmad or Barry case or whatever it seems like that is maybe a case where per, perhaps an individual precinct was like kind of covering up for a former police officer. Okay, that's something. It looks like maybe that's part of it, and if that's it, then that is against the law. And that well, it's also. It's also quite possible that, that they told the police a different story. And then when they yeah. themselves saw the videos, we, we just don't know. And that's the yeah. other point is re this rush to judgment. Um, yes. going, going back to, to our philosophical roots on this podcast, um, we both know and everyone listening should know that any, any, any logical uh, statement that, that you're going to make, if anything that flows from a faulty premise, is suspect. And so in, in any discussion, argument, scientific endeavor, anything, if the premise is flawed, then everything that comes out of that premise is going to be flawed and could go tragically wrong. And this premise is one of the most flawed premises, and it's easily provable. That's the thing that kills me. Uh, there's a man named Ami Horowitz who he does these man-on-the-street video things he goes usually goes to like college campuses uh, to try to engage people with, hey, what about this issue or that? And he went out to a, a Black Lives Matter protest and he just tried to discuss the the statistics with them, the actual facts, and they just absolutely they they almost attacked him. They were just screaming at him, you know, shut the hell up. And, 
they don't want to hear the truth because, you know, Ben Shapiro always says facts don't care about your feelings, but really the truth is the opposite of that. You know, our society is all of this emotion and the way people feel, they don't care about facts. They do not want to be bothered with facts. They just don't. Yeah. So I've tried. So I, you know, over the years I've gotten, I've, well, I, I think I've gotten better at following not just like like-minded. I, I was very into conservative politics and I still am, but I followed a lot more Catholics and a lot more spiritual types Thank of you. people on Twitter and Instagram mainly is where I like to go. But even in that realm for since this, this particular stuff started, um, I have just been so upset and like surprised by how many of the Catholic influencers, and I I didn't realize this, but maybe Instagram is more of a girl thing, because I saw so many more girls than boys Catholics, I realized. Because, like, the boy ones I follow, like Matt Frad, I haven't seen much, but, like, the girl ones I follow, I'm not going to name them or, like, call them out, but they're pretty big Catholic influencer-type people. But they, most of them, I'm talking, like, I think I saw, like, 12, like, probably 10 out of 12, or maybe more than that, um, but around that percentage, uh, has been, like, full-blown, you know, black box on the Tuesday, and um, just, uh, it, it reminds, you know what it reminds me of is, um, you know, whenever we discuss, like, the border wall and stuff, and you all of a sudden find this divide among, so there's, like, Catholics or Christians that are, um really, 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 it's important to them to not, do not label me as a Republican, quote-unquote, or as a conservative, quote-unquote. That is not where, they say, that is not where a Catholic should fit in. A Catholic should just do what is right based on the teachings of the church, and and I understand that. So, like, when we talk about, like, illegal immigration and stuff like that, and you have this divide all of a sudden that happens where some Catholics, like, Uh, bleeding heart Catholics or I don't know. I don't know. But I feel like they lose their ability to see with a discerning, like, because I don't know, like it's too harsh or something to say the truth, which is, Hey, illegal immigration hurts those people too. It hurts all people. It's, It's immoral. It's immoral to do. It's immoral to illegally do something, to break the law, to come into a country, even if it's for justifiable reason. So, in this situation too, it's immoral to go out there and and cause civil unrest when the facts are not in, they they don't support this premise. It's I think it's immoral to go out and support a lie in this way. Like it's not immoral, obviously, to like like to love black people and to say let's you know talk more about black artists and people of color and whatever. I guess that's okay. Although I am very much like always a little bit queasy about identity politics with people. Like why does the pigmentation of their skin or mine have anything to do with anything? It's it's a completely immutable fact of who they are. I just don't get it. But anyways, it's okay. So, if you want to support I'm black people. You said, I'm glad you said that about the pigmentation thing. So black lives matter, that organization, but, really the ones that started this and are perpetuating it and are now reaping, uh, I'm telling you, tens of millions of dollars 
from. Oh yes, uh, I follow Candace Owens now, and she's from, breaking apart what from, they spend that money on, and it's pretty it's, obvious. Yeah, it's, it's bad. But all you have to Democrat do, politicians. If, if you go to their website and read who we are, what we're about, they, they were actually that their founders are three LGBTQ women, and their organization is started and has still a, a large part of its uh, founding things on its website is about, you know, uh, LGBTQ rights and uh, LGBTQ people of color and all of that. Uh, they are also Marxist, avowed Marxists. They are all about the Green New Deal, uh, the universal basic income, global Marxism, etc. cetera. Um, that's what they are. So they started this, but when it, when it first came out, it, no one was no one was outraged over a, a lie or protesting for lie because it wasn't a lie that George Floyd was murdered unnecessarily right. and and wrongly. That was the truth, and everybody can recognize it. And so it was, it was actually a, a good and wholesome thing for any society to call that out, and for people to to if they want to go out and peacefully assemble to express you know how bad it was. But the problem was. Nobody was arguing with it. And when you're an agitator, a professional agitator, and when you are what the hardcore progressive left is in this country, in this world now, if no one's arguing, the last thing you want to do is agree with the other side. And so what you have to do is you have to find a way to to put that wedge in there. And so it didn't become uh, George Floyd was murdered by a person who murdered him. It became systemic racism, which is absolute garbage. It's absolute garbage. Because you can't, because you can't, that's, there's nobody can, you're not actually pointing at something that we can talk about. That's just like this fluffy thing that you're, that we can't like, okay, so where, where, you know, where is the policy or where is the law or what is it that systemic, where are you seeing this? What are you talking about? So the, the, and the answer to your question is, just like they don't want to agree, they also don't want to have a solution or talk about actual solutions because their money, their power, their, their raison d'etre is in the act of education itself. That's how guys like Sharpton and all those other hustlers, that's how they stay relevant and make money. And if, if you have a case like this one where zero people argued, everyone agreed 100%, that's not going to do it for them. It's like, um, what do you mean you agree with me? Okay, wait. So it's not just uh, that Chauvin guy that was a cop. It's, it's, it's all cops now. It's, it's everything. And next thing you know, here come the little skinny jeans uh, boys with their little masks, the, the Antifa jerk-offs. Sorry, that was editorial. Um, joining in because they go everywhere. And by the way, all of these protests, uh, including the one that that ripped my city apart, I got hit in the face with a rock that was bigger than a brick. And fortunately, I was wearing a gas mask and a face shield, and it broke my gas mask, but it didn't hurt me. Uh, One of my partners got a broken thumb. Another one has a broken ankle. I got hit with, like, I don't know, eight to ten water bottles, a couple of them frozen, 
I got hit with a half gallon of milk or what appeared to be milk that someone launched at me that hit my knee and exploded all over me. <clears throat> and I'm looking at all these people and I'm like, who are you? What do you even, they, they, they don't, they don't even know what they're, they don't even care why they're out there. They're just out there. And I saw it in their faces and I heard it in their words. They, they're just acting out and trying to be part of something to try to make themselves feel like they're part of something. These are the foot soldiers of the, the Black Lives Matter brain trust, the, the ones who are actually pulling the strings. They well, and you, all, you have this, yeah. like, every, I mean, look, we can look in history. You have this, like, it's so funny, like, it's not funny, that that 75-year-old guy that got knocked down by the the riot cops in Buffalo. The one that got bumped and fell over backwards, yes. Yeah, so he was a, he was actually a protester, right? Whatever, too. And I was just thinking about him, and I was thinking, I wonder what his story is. Was he back in the '60s, like <laughs> doing down with the cause? Yeah. I mean, because it's just, and it's like kind of funny, but not. But it's like it's true that you have a certain like mindset or certain there's certain. There, it, I don't I don't know why I don't know what it is, but you have agitators like you're saying that just they don't. They want to burn it down, burn it down. Anarchists. Yeah. I, I can remember in every poli sci class I've ever taken, in every, you know, everything related to social studies or history, you've got these people. There's in every class, and they could be boys or girls, doesn't even matter. There are all kinds of people who just they they they're scowling while they're reading the history. They don't they don't buy a word of it, you know. And it's funny because it, it used to be kind of a minority, but that. You think the what's it called the sixteen twelve project that won a Pulitzer Prize last year, and it was so completely fabricated. It was this rewriting of history about this is why stuff like this is happening because that garbage uh, was written talking about how supposedly America has just always been this horrible, evil, no good, very bad, disgusting place for for black people. And while there's a lot of bad things that have happened for lots of people in America and in the whole world, it's just crazy to me for for us to not be able to look around and be like, this place is amazing. Like, this is literally the best humans have ever had it. There's nothing you can do. We can build stuff, like, up together, but, like, we have this just amazing free market system and the best medicine and just streets that it's like they don't understand or, or maybe they're craving to go live in some kind of a third world nation where, cause like that's what Chaz looks like to me. When I look at Seattle or some of these protests, I'm like, that's what you want. Like you like how your cities have been like, what do you want? Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's they, a lot of them. Like I said, they're, they're mindless tools but what the we'll get in a minute to what the the people behind it want it, it's very clear but well i know what the really, people yeah yeah we know what the people on top want power absolute power well yeah and then something even more sinister um but let me burn through some numbers real quick just not to bore people with staff and all that but you mentioned heather mcdonald her great book the war on cops um, using 
I know this is shocking, but using the actual facts, which come out of the Bureau of Justice Statistics and the FBI, well, they do. They, they compile statistics. They're, the numbers aren't conservative. They're not liberal. The numbers are just numbers. I know with Common Core math, that's a weird concept, but they're just numbers. And they tell, when you put them together, they tell a, a really, really strong tale. Like one that jumps right out at you, um, 40% of cop killers are black. And according to the actual numbers, I, me, a police officer, any police officer, is 18.5 times more likely to be killed by a black than a cop killing an unarmed black person. 18.5 times more likely. That's an actual fact. And nobody cares about that. And like in New York City, um, using numbers from what, this is what, uh, nine or 10 years ago, these numbers, black people in New York make up 23% of that city's population, 23. They commit 75% of all shootings and 70% of all robberies. So think about that for a second. That population... 23% does 75% of all the shootings in that city and 70% of all the robberies. Um, white people, white New Yorkers commit less than 2% of all shootings and 4% of all robberies. And they are nearly 34% of the population. So that's just something to let roll around in your brain. How about Chicago? Just the other day, 24 people murdered. Last Sunday, 18 black, young black men murdered by other young black men. Well, and you had, a lot of those are just completely innocent people standing on like a street corner or like. And a lot of them little kids. Yeah. Chicago is just insane. I don't know how that's not the forefront of black lives. it, It just shows the absolute hypocrisy. But if you started, if you, and I have, start to engage somebody, like, intelligent people in the dialogue of what's actually happening, whether you talk about that, like, black murdering other black people, um, or something like that, they will say, they will blame that, or if uh, I've talked about 100 million black children being aborted, uh, you know, anyways... They will blame all those things on back to the Ben Shapiro calls it the God. The God of this religion is racism. All things get sacrificed to the God and all things come back to the God. The God is racism. So the reason why his numbers are bad, he's the God of the gaps, This uh, the God of racism. So why do black people kill each other? Racism. Why do blacks abort their own children at the highest rate in the country? Racism. And it's our fault, whoever yeah. we are. If you, you know, so when you have this this religion you've built up, I just think it's a really good point. That's why it's so impossible to get anywhere with this dialogue this way, and and the premise is just so flawed that you you say, wait, but that's you're what are you talking about systemic racism? So let's get to some actual things. What's racist? What are the policies that we need to change? Let's do it. Anyway. Okay. 
some more numbers. Thanks for that intermission for numbers because they do get bad. But so you can, there's lies, damn lies, and statistics, right? And people can use them, whatever. But just in raw numbers, uh, every year there are, I think, what there's between 700 and 900,000 sworn law enforcement officers in the country. There's 328 million people. So that means for every thousand people, you got like two cops. Um, we come into contact with anywhere between 17 and 21% of the population every year. That's anywhere from 55 million to 60 million contacts between a cop and a citizen in this country every year. 60 million, okay? Um, well, that cop and, on, uh, from New York last week, or, or earlier this week, he said there was 375 million contacts last year. Uh, no. No? Maybe because uh, it's the same person multiple times? Okay, I could be wrong. Sorry. Maybe okay. over the course of years, but, I mean, I'm looking at the BJS. And, but whatever, it's tens of millions, right? So let's go with 60 million um, at the last year of reporting, uh, there were 26,000 excessive force complaints, which comes out to 0.04% of contact. And of those complaints, only 8% of them were sustained, which means 0.0039%. Um, and even if they were all sustained, right? Are you kidding me? It's it's absolutely completely ridiculous. We we contact people all day every day. Sometimes the contacts are negative. Often they're positive. Sometimes there's uh, they get physical, uh, and sometimes people die. Either the cop or a, a, a suspect or both. But those deaths on both sides are exceedingly rare. They're just exceedingly rare. And back to and the I, rates again. Why, why, why do they say that more uh, black people are killed by police than white people? Because they they take the numbers wildly out of context. They don't they they don't address what I just said a minute ago. How uh, they're like six times more likely to commit murder than white people in those cities where they're grabbing these numbers from. Police go where the, the contact, where they're called. We don't just like show up at you know someone's house. Hey, we just thought we'd stop by. We go where we're called and we're called to certain areas more often than other areas. So that's, does that not make sense to anybody with half a brain? Like, seriously, well, we go yeah. where things are happening. That's our job. That's it's funny if you keep if you keep the conversation if you keep the dialogue like off in the ideal idealistic space that so many people in the far far left always like to keep conversations because once you start to pin them down then it's like wait what like the green new deal once you saw it written out you're like <laughs> no okay never mind um the same when we talk about this like big picture idealistic I hear he's very very airy, very breathy, leftists say things like, 
Yeah, like the the woman. I'm thinking of the the Minneapolis, the head of the city council, because they disbanded their police or whatever they voted to or whatever they're doing. And somebody asked her, like, uh, and so what are you gonna do when um, when you have to call the police? Like, what are you gonna do? So I'm breaking house. You know what? I understand, but you have to understand your question is coming from a place of privilege. So they're talking about smashing it all and rethinking of the whole system differently, I guess. But it's like you don't actually know because, like I'm saying, they don't tie anything down. But she's just saying in her idealistic utopian mind, what you're thinking is that the system has worked for you, but it doesn't work for others. And the reason it doesn't work for others is, again, the god of racism, that we don't know what it exactly means. So in Chicago, uh, let, let me just take that point you just made and say the system is racist. In the first half of 2016, 2,800 people were shot in Chicago in the first half of the year. Guess how many of those were shot by police? 12, which is not even one half of 1%. So if the system is racist, Shouldn't the system be shooting 99% of the people? The system is not shooting 99% of the people in Chicago. Young black males are. That they're not. Last I checked, they weren't. They weren't part of the system. So, how and how absurd have we reached? Have we yet reached peak absurdity? What would you have to get paid to be a police officer in that city? You could never. I mean, that is just. Why? Or do you live in that city? Oh my lord! So but I was back, to the, back to back to the system for just a minute, and this is this is probably the most. This is why that 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 viral video of that New York cop talking. You know that that is a really powerful video. In fact, we should probably play at least one minute of it in this episode. Yeah, so I, I was I gonna. Yeah, we, I was tracking. Let's do, do that. Let's, let's do that right now. I am not Derek Chavon. They are not him. He killed someone. We didn't. We are restrained. And you know what? I'm saying this to all the cops here. Because you know what? Everybody's trying to shame us. The legislators. The press. Everybody's trying to shame us into being embarrassed about our profession. But you know what? This isn't stained by someone in Minneapolis. It's still got a shine on it. And so did theirs. So do theirs. Stop treating us like animals and bugs and start treating us with some respect. That's what we're here today to say. We've been left out of the conversation. We've been vilified. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Okay. The reason that guy, that cop, was so outraged because I just want to tell you, that New York City in the 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s was the biggest cesspool of crime in anywhere on this planet. Uh, here, the murder, the, the annual murder rate in 1980, number of murders, not the rate, the number of murders in New York City was 2,228. And every year, and then the years before that, starting back in 1971, it was 2000, and it stayed at 2000 or higher all the way, all the way until nine, the late 19, the mid 1990s. Something happened in New York City, 
Hmm. I know Zoe. What happened? Well, actually, several things happened. The mayors, uh, and to give credit where it's due, the the thoroughly incompetent David Dinkins uh, actually helped get this started. Uh, They started using comp staff. They they changed the way that policing was done in New York. And then Mayor Giuliani came in, and he knew exactly how to address the crime problem. By the way, you can look these numbers up at disastercenter.com. And you can see not just for murders, but for all the violent crimes and, and how they dropped so precipitously. Guess what the murder rate? You remember I said two, at the high, let's see, the high year mark was 1990 when 2,605 people were murdered in, in New York City. Guess what the murder rate in New York City was last year? It, it's in the around 300. That's amazing. So, and there's probably so many more people living there. Exactly. So tell me now why that New York City police officer was so outraged at this nonsense. His department, his department addressed this crime. This, and by the way, most victims of those murders were young people of color, as they say. So not only has the New York City Police Department not been killing young people of color systemically, they have been saving them by the tens of thousands. And New York City now has, check this, now has the same murder rate per capita as like South Dakota. Can you freaking believe that? And they're calling, they're calling them killers. And they're the exact opposite of killers. They are stopping the killers. And, and I mean, they use, they started using CompStat and a bunch of other things. But the point is, what's CompStat? The New York, um, it's a policing system where you use computer statistics. To address oh, where put. it's like profiling. Oh, uh, the opposite of profiling. It's it's oh. profiling. It's profiling criminal behavior. Um, it's, oh, think cool. of it as like Arthur talks about evidence-based medicine. It's, it's evidence-based yeah. policing. We we I think we profiling is is I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, you gotta. I don't know. We we do profile. We profile um, criminal behaviors. Yeah, that makes um, sense. that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I could literally go on for hours with all these numbers, but my main point here is, uh, yeah, I'm a cop, and yeah, I I have my feelings on my side of it, but my feelings aside, uh, the numbers are what they are, and anyone that argues with the numbers is just being a fool. There's ah, they're not being a fool. What are they trying to do? They're selling you something or like whatever Marxists do. Okay. No, no. Again, the the leaders and all, yes, but the the foot soldiers. Uh, Euripides in ancient Greece, he said, um, "You talk sense to a fool, and he calls you foolish." And that's what's happening right now. Think of it as like our church, right? Uh, the 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 priest priests abusing, you know, whatever molestations, whatever. Every Catholic hates it when non-Catholics try to paint our entire church that way. Uh, think about lawyers. You know, everyone makes lawyers jokes and all that. There's some damn good people that are lawyers. You think lawyers like it when, uh, because some shyster, like that Michael Avenatti guy, uh, do you think all lawyers want to be painted with that same brush? It, this is no different, except this is that on steroids. Doctors, because, too, with the malpractice stuff. And everybody gets yeah. prejudiced. Everybody gets that's, that's oh, that is one of the. This is if I can make like one point to everyone, 
is even with Derek Chauvin, right? And, and especially to my Catholic Christian friends out there, like when you're watching the video, which to be frank with you, I have not watched it. I've seen still shots, but I have no interest in watching somebody die. It's not my bag. Um, but from this, the photo I've seen of him, like, okay, it's horrible. It's awful. It's disgusting what he was doing. However, Derek Chauvin also is a human that I believe we should also be praying for and who I don't think you should try to empathize with him necessarily. I don't know if he was just pure scum came out of the ground and he's the devil incarnate. I guess maybe like some people are, that's true. And I don't think it's good to like empathize with like, or like, um, like I don't like those TV shows where to, to date a killer or whatever. Like people get really into like the getting into the mind of a serial killer and stuff like that. I'm not talking about that, but, with police officers specifically, these people who go out there every day, they, Derek Chauvin, even the, the worst of the worst. I mean, he signed up for a job that's crazy and he did a crazy job for whatever many years. And maybe he was terrible at it right from the beginning. And maybe he was always mean and horrible to everyone. I don't know. But like the lack of any kind of humanity in all of these cases, in any case, in all now, now when I see these videos, Oh my gosh. Like the video, I try not to watch too many. They just make me so sad for humanity. Like these people are like really, their souls are in danger. These people who can go up to you, Pop, and other police officers and stand in their face and scream at them like these indignant little children and say, I'm sorry, I had to bleep that out. You know, whatever they say to you, these horrible things that they say to you guys, just the, the nastiest, most, I can't believe you could say to another human being, like, I can't believe it. These people have done nothing to you, nothing to you. And, and I just can't, I can't stomach the lack of humanity for police officers right now. It's, it's insane. Like the video where the dog bit the kid, the, that one protester in the butt. I don't know if you saw that, but man, was that amazing. It was an accident. It was his own fault. The protester went right up to the cop, put his butt in his face and the dog just bit him. Oh, oh a canine? Yes, the, the protester oh. they're screaming in the in the officer and, and the dog's faces like there's a few cops and they're surrounded by protesters and this protester is like trying to be funny so he's like putting his butt in the cop's face and the dog is spiked him and when he turns back around you can see like a cartoon he ripped off his pants and you can see like his underwear. <laughs> like, wow. Anyway, so, I just look, 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 the lack of humanity. I can't. Yeah. Take so it. let me. One just one visceral anecdote from me. Um, our city got attacked really, really badly on May 30th, um, and I'm not going to go into the details of why and all that. I could tell you, but bottom line is a, a large group of people came to our police station and attacked it. They tried to they tried to get in. They did not get in. They tore down our badge and logo thing outside. They graffitied our station. They broke windows. They pulled down our American flag and burned it. Um, and then they went to city hall and that's when we went to city hall and we were, we were horribly undermanned for that first wave. They weren't, there weren't enough of us. And the first, my, my team, the first team went into city hall where they had set it on fire um, and they went in and stole things and broke everything they could break on the first floor. They made it up 
they broke some windows on the second and fourth floor. We had citizen civilian employees up in the upper floors that we had to go get out of the building because it was on fire and, uh, you know, the barbarians were at the gate. And they went inside and they actually pooped and smeared it on the walls. Um, and so we, we got them out of there and made that safe for the firefighters to go in. And then we had to go outside and form the line in front of City Hall. And there was the mob. And the things that they were saying and doing and throwing at us and, and, and all. It, I just felt this. I, I don't even know, but it went to my, like, the core of my primal self. I could not really believe what I was seeing. And as I looked out there, and, and there were thousands of people in the streets, and there were probably about 500 of them that were extremely hostile in that city plaza. Uh, I was seeing faces. I saw at least three or four people that I recognized as having had contact with, and I mean positive contact. There were two in particular, a guy, one guy and one female, that I recognized that I had helped and, and had seen on multiple occasions who had told me what great cops we are in Reno. And they were on that side screaming every bit as loud as the rest of them. And it, it, it like rended my heart. It was like this mob mentality is, is a real thing. Because Crucify crime, him. Crucify him. Yeah, my crime to them was helping them, you know, in the past. And that's, well, but anyway. I mean, think about Jesus. Like, think about the mob. Like, I highly recommend people go check out this podcast, uh, Council of Trent. He does a really great couple of podcasts on riots. And it, one of them was specifically about what happens in a mob mentality and why you guys, police officers are trained, you act differently once you have a riot going on. You know, you have to, you have to remind people that there is a force to stop them because they will do things in a mob that they would never do by themselves. Right. You know, there's so much more destructive and, and evil. There's something horrible that can happen in a mob, and, and it's it's pretty scary. It it brings it definitely brings out our primal selves, and whichever side you're on. Um, the only thing that that say you know that police officers and military have is our training and discipline, because it, I'm telling you, there's there's smoke in the air. There's you can't see. There's I'm wearing a gas mask. There's there's screaming, a sirens going off, alarms going off, you know, people running every which way. Rocks are flying. Things, you know, it's just like the fog of war is having the only thing that, that keeps us right is our training and our discipline, and we hold our line, right? And let me tell you, that was the thinnest of blue lines for us that night. Uh, it was several hours before we got reinforcements, and once we did, it was a really, it made a big difference, and we changed things, but um, I did want to, like, for the end, I kind of wanted to just touch on what this is really about. And the people perpetrating these riots, the, the foot soldiers, they don't, they don't know this. They, they, they just, they're being fed their lies to get them riled up so they can. But the people that are really orchestrating this, uh, this is about Cloward Piven. And many people who might be listening to this may know what that is. But basically, back in the 60s, uh, by the way, the... The Antifa people are directly in the lineage of the Weather Underground, which was uh, this domestic terrorist force in the 60s and 70s that that was killing cops and burning things and doing this stuff to try to take down uh, the government, the, the society. Well, Cloward Piven were these 
professors at Columbia University, him and his wife, Cloward, and his wife, uh, Francis Piven. And they were Democratic Socialists of America. Does that sound familiar, AOC? Um, and by the way, even still today, the, that female, Francis Fox Piven, is uh, an honorary chair of the Democratic Socialists of America, Bernie Sanders people. So the Cloward-Piven strategy is they came up with, these are two professors at Columbia. They discovered this method, and they started implementing it with the Weather Underground, and it's been going on ever since, and now it's on steroids, to try to hasten the fall of capitalism by overloading the government's bureaucracy with a flood of impossible demands, and thus pushing society into crisis and economic collapse. So, and they... They based that on the uh, Titler cycle. If, if you've ever heard of the Titler cycle, it's the Scottish dude centuries ago. He studied civilizations and what happens to them. And basically, uh, every civilization goes through the same basic uh, cycle. It, it, it happens in, it's happened in all civilizations going as far back as you want. And so the Tyler cycle is you go from bondage to spiritual faith. You go from spiritual faith to great courage. From courage, you go to liberty. From liberty to abundance. From abundance to complacency. From complacency to apathy. From apathy to dependence. And from dependence back into bondage. Look it up yourself, T-Y-T-L-E-R, Titler cycle. It's, a, it's very easy to see. So they've, they've written about this now, and they, the people who study this, and it doesn't take much studying, you can see where we're at in that cycle right now, our society, where, where we're at. I mean, bondage to spiritual faith was King George way back. This is America. I'm talking about every society has their own. Um that spiritual faith led to great courage in the late 1700s, you know, the Boston Massacre, Bunker Hill, Thomas Paine, Common Sense, the Revolutionary War, all of that. From that courage, we got liberty, right? Uh, the Constitution was ratified. George Washington became president. The Bill of Rights, all of that, and all the way through the Civil War and all the way through uh, Abraham Lincoln, all of that liberty, because liberty didn't end with the, the Revolutionary War, it, we didn't really have liberty until the Civil War because we had so many people in slavery. So liberty yeah. was accomplished with the 13th Amendment, right? That's when slavery was abolished. And from there, America took off like no country has ever taken off from liberty to abundance all the way from the late 1860s for 100 years. All the things that happened, the, the, the Great Wars, the, the Depression, the New Deal, the all of that stuff that happened, but the abundance, no one had ever in the history of the planet seen more. And all of that abundance came out of capitalism, by the way. And then we got complacent, starting in the 1970s, with Roe v. Wade, you know, um, Nixon, and all of that stuff, all the Soviet Union, uh, all complacency. Then we went to apathy. Nobody cared about crap anymore. Nihilism, you know, now we've got Bill Clinton, We've got just gridlock in Congress, all that stuff. Just nobody cares. Nobody cares. Everybody's busy. And like, I think we're still in apathy on our way. We are on our way to dependence, of course. Um, 
the welfare state is here and they want more, don't they? They're, the, the UBI, the universal basic income that's being pushed right now and, and all these trillion-dollar packages, that's what that is. That is to put us back into bondage because as soon as we're dependent on some localized authority somewhere, um, what do you, what, we know what happens, right? As soon as a society realizes um, that it can... What does he say? I'm going to quote this uh, Alexander Tyler. He says that democracy is always temporary in nature. It simply cannot exist as a permanent form of government. A democracy will continue to exist up until the time, and are we not here right now, up until the time that voters discover that they can vote themselves generous gifts from the public treasury. From that moment on, the majority always votes for the candidates who promise the most benefits from the public treasury, with the result that every democracy will finally collapse due to loose fiscal policy, which is always followed by a dictatorship. Man, that's the, we've got to break that cycle. And I, I do think that voting, you know, the people who voted for Trump weren't looking for anything from him, because I certainly wasn't. I was just looking for a breath. Well, what, and, was the tea, what was the Tea Party about? It was it was about, we don't want anything from you other than to leave us alone. Taxed enough already. That's what Tea Party stood for. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I'm really uh, excited that Trump's rallies are starting back up. And I hope he, it, I ho- obviously I hope he gets elected. It would just be the, the worst thing I could imagine if he wasn't. But I hope that if he is, that he actually does something about the fiscal mess we're in because we are on our way to bondage right now. We are so beyond overwhelmingly in debt. It's madness. And then coronavirus only added how many trillions and trillions more of like, <sighs> I don't know what is going on. So that that would definitely be something that I hope. I if, don't know. if anyone, if anyone doubts, uh, what I said about how the foot soldiers out there uh, rioting are being controlled and manipulated. Think about this for just a minute. The cities that, that this stuff's happening in, the, the, the Minneapolis, the Baltimore, the Seattle, those cities are controlled by progressives. And they have been for five or six decades. Um, in Baltimore, every, every, there, there has not been, uh, I just heard this one. There has not been a, Republican in uh, elected in office in Chicago for 40 or 50 years and not for any city seat, nowhere. Okay. So these cities that are having these problems where these uh, minorities and black people feel like they're being oppressed by the system, right? Systemic. The system is created by the very progressive politicians that are, that they think are on their side. These things are happening in progressive controlled cities, cities that have not had conservatives or Republicans for 50 years. This is why I, one of the good things that's come out of these riots and whatever Black Lives Matter stuff recently is I started following a a lot more black conservatives or black just people who, people of color who think that Black Lives Matter is crazy and up to no good. But my favorite is definitely Candace Owens. And she yeah, is she, so amazing, and I think about she people got kicked like her. Off Twitter again. Again, really? Yeah, 
Yeah, she got kicked off again. Listen, listen to this. I, this is my favorite quote from this week. She said, phrases like white privilege are just a modern twist on white supremacist ideology. Asking me to believe in white privilege means asking me to accept black inferiority. To look at a white person and recognize that I am less than them in this world. How about no? And she's just like so, you know, it's just, it's so refreshing. So I just... The unity that's going to come, maybe they're, you know, in the, the, the cycle you're talking about, maybe, uh, some, some of these areas are already in bondage. They have been for a long, long, long time. And maybe they can come out of it. Um, they, they certainly are. And, and one final note on, you said black conservatives. And think about people that are egging this on right now, like LeBron James and Oprah herself, the O, the Oprah. Is it not beyond laughable that a woman who is worth over $2 billion is encouraging people to say that black people can't make it in this country? LeBron James, who's worth hundreds of millions. Michelle it's, Obama, it's like, were, weren't you just the first lady of this nation? What are you talking about? This, this nation elected a black president twice. So just, you know, shove it sideways. Sorry, but... This is the whole premise. Yeah, if anything, we're still sexist. I mean, there's there's no female president out there. Okay, I have to get going. Yeah, we do. Okay, Uh, good. Good will come out of this. I promise. I don't know how yet, but God draws straight with crooked lines, and everyone just keep your faith. And crooked cops too, huh? Crooked cops. God draws straight with crooked cops. Keep your faith. Whatever else, keep your faith. God is in charge. Uh, Do the right thing, and don't. Don't fall into the lies. Look, look stuff up for yourself. Make informed yeah. decisions. Practically speaking, what do you think people should be doing, like right now during these tumultuous times? Like, what is a good thing for them to be doing? Uh, stay calm. Uh, don't don't listen to the madness. Don't listen to it. Uh, don't go near any of these protests because they go from uh, quote peaceful protest to a riot in like zero point three seconds and. Innocent people are getting hurt. Innocent people are getting killed by these yep. idiots. So um, stay, stay informed. Stay sane. Uh, get off don't, social media if you need to. Own whatever you do, don't watch CNN. Whatever you do. Whatever you don't do, don't do that. Yeah. yeah agreed. All right, people. Okay. Good talk. Good game. All right. Keep, God uh, bless. Keep moving forward. Wait, that's my line. All right, God bless. For people with minds that hate All I can tell you is Bobby, you have to
Anyone, anyhow 